so if we have any kind of concept of, of how the enemy works, you'll understand what's happening even this moment. That I spent hours putting my sermon together and PowerPoint so that you could kind of visualize through the scripture on the screen and stuff. And Zach just came and said, well, the screen's not working. But I'm not surprised at all. Because I know the enemy is powerful. He is actually the prince of the power of the air. That's how he operates. He operates through disturbances in your life. He operates so that when you try to expose who he is and actually label him as he is, you will be attacked. You will be attacked. Trust me on this. Whenever you expose the enemy in your life or in a church, he is angry. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not like wrestling against another person. My son Josiah went out for wrestling last year and again this year. I went to pick him up the other day at the junior high school. And they were wrestling on the mats. And then the coach said, all right, you're going to run laps. They had to run a mile around the gym, had to do 100 push-ups. Some of those were pretty scary. They were borderline like not moving, you know. And then like 100 sit-ups. I'm standing against the wall and I'm thinking, Jesus, this is hurting. This is hurting me and I'm not even out there doing anything. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against a very, very real enemy that is fighting for your soul. Yes, he is. Because sometimes you ask yourself, who is the real enemy? Who is it that I'm actually fighting? I don't know if I'm fighting my spouse. I don't know if I'm fighting my kids or people at work or my job or depression or, or whatever. But I, I feel like I'm in this battle, but I'm not exactly sure. Now, I'll guarantee you something else because I'm a people watcher. I try to see everyone in the room. If God's doing anything, the enemy's also doing something. The enemy doesn't go after people who are in neutral doing nothing. And as I said last week, you cannot live your life in neutral and be a Christian. We are being forced as a people of God to decide which side we're on. You are either on this side or this side. You're either on heaven's side or hell's side. You're either with God or with Satan and all of his demons. Either way, we are in a battle. It's, it's, it's rampant. This week alone... I was going to show some powerful videos today, but obviously the screen is not working, so you just get me, little old me up here. This is the way it is. This week, and, and I, I just noticed that this week it might have come out earlier, but the Gillette company that makes razor blades specifically, and is administrated primarily by women, decided to do an ad about masculinity with the Me Too movement behind that. It was basically a demasculating of, of men because men have been out of control and are, all should be whipped into line. There was a response to it with, by, from a watch company that actually talked about what masculinity actually was. This is how I see it when it comes to men and women. God designed them equally with Great opportunities for both of them, distinctive gifts, but he did design man and woman, both. 
I would say that the number one problem in the country and around the world is understanding headship. Because without a head, there's no direction. And with two heads, you become a monster. Who's the head of the home? Who's the boss at work? There is a serious problem these days with respecting authority figures. This isn't even my message. And you're going, oh, God, please move on quickly. There's a second issue that came up this week. By the way, the first issue led to something that set off a hot button with some of the people at our church. Last Monday night, we discussed the issue of gay homosexuality and gay marriage. And some people didn't take to that very well and pretty much are demanding that I say all gay marriage is from the devil and we should immediately discipline those people out of the church in response to some people that have visited our church. I have a very clear stand on that. I do think that homosexuality is not what God ordained. He ordained one man for one woman for one lifetime. I'm not biased or I don't hate people because for some reason they have a different sexual preference. But I do believe that God ordained man and woman so that they could procreate and inhabit the earth. That's a very, very serious issue these days. I would say emphatically that gay people are welcome at this church. They're welcome here. One person is demanding that I throw those people out or I should leave. I don't think that's how you confront the issue. There needs to be discussion to understand the Bible. We don't throw out people who are being immoral. We don't throw out men because they masturbate. These issues are not being discussed in the church because everybody's afraid of the ramifications. If you are following the Bible, you will preach it and let the Bible do the work. God will do the work in people's lives. Legalism has put us in a mode of hatred. So we hate anyone that doesn't look exactly like us. That's not God. That's not how God operates. So if you're in the ministry as a pastor nowadays, you do have to draw a line in the sand and say, this is what God's word says. What a person chooses to do beyond that is up to them. Another issue that came up this week is uh, Andrew, yeah, I just lost his, Cuomo from New York City presented a bill that would allow a mother to abort her child right up to the day that she is born. I'm sure you read the articles and heard it on the news. There was cheering in the House chamber when they voted to pass that bill. Literal cheering in the room. And I, I just had to say this. It's an abomination to kill a baby. Murder is wrong. It is murder. If you ever look at any pictures of aborted fetuses, you will see right off the bat, you can see a face, you can see fingers and toes. God designed them. The thing that I do not understand is if you don't want that baby and you get that far along in the pregnancy, you should give it to someone who wants it. Yeah. 
I'm not afraid to say that I am totally pro-life. And we should be. So there will be people, because this is how the devil operates, there will be people that are mad because I take a stand on various things. My feeling about every, every one of these issues is rooted in my understanding what the scripture says about the issue. I don't think we can compromise. I think we need to be emphatic. And I would say this also, anyone is welcome to attend this church. You are all welcome to attend here. We will not throw you out because you don't look just like us. It's not possible for you to look this good. It's not impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there are people who would say, he meant it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He meant it. You just got to know him. He's just this biggest narcissist sociopath that just blah, blah, blah. Don't you come to church to get blessed? Don't you come to get together with God's people and feel the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your midst? That's what I want. I got to assure you this. Your attitudes about things will change when you get in the word every day. It's so powerful and refreshing and sharp as a sword to pierce through all these issues. We're facing giants today, and that's what I've entitled my, my talk with you this morning. And the second title I have for it is, Who is the Real Enemy? Because if we're not careful, we are going to see the people sitting around us at church as an enemy. They're the enemy because they don't think exactly like I do. Our, our nation is divided. There's no question about it. It is divided over many things. Is racism real? Yes, but nothing like it was when I was a kid. There are social issues out there that need to be fought. My, my idea is the answer is Jesus. Oh, that's just being so trite, Pastor. That's just so trite. The answer is Jesus. That doesn't really give us any answers. Yes, it does. I guarantee you if you put Christ first in your life, and stick with the word of God, your issues will be diminished greatly. We had a new couple in our church that both accepted Christ just a couple weeks ago. The Shacks are back there. I, I want to call them Shrek, but they don't look like Shrek. But that's how I can remember their name, actually. And so they got saved, and they just said the first week after they accepted Christ, they were, like, bombarded with attacks, financial attacks and all kinds of attacks. And so this is, my, this is my thinking about that. When a couple goes through that at that level, we're going to be the church. So we have a food shower for them if you'd still like to bring food. They did not suggest this. They did not ask for it. And we have a $500 check from the church to help them stay afloat. Because that's who we are is the church. I, I go to Vietnam every year, as you know, and I'm going in five weeks from tomorrow with, with four other guys. And while we're there, we memorize scripture. We spend hours in the word. We take a book with us. We memorize scripture. We, we get into the word of God. We have discussions together, and we pray. And as you know, last year we got in a lot of trouble. We're passing out Bibles and passing out gospel literature, and it's frightening. But while we were there, I always think of these verses. We are not fighting against humans. 
We're fighting, and this is what it says in the CEV rather than the NIV. We're not fighting against humans. We are fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. Not humans that we're fighting. It's not the guy, it's not the homosexual that comes in the church that we're fighting. It's the enemy that we are fighting. It is not the pro-choice person that we're fighting. It's the enemy we're fighting. Do you know how angry the devil is because there's a possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned? It will not stop people from aborting babies, by the way, if it is overturned. But it makes the devil mad when you think of the numbers of children that are, are killed. I wanted to say this real quickly before I move into my thoughts about David. Demons are numerous, they're powerful, they're wicked, and they're clever. They come as ministers of light. They look really good, they're enticing, and they draw you into their stuff with one purpose in mind, and that is to destroy our lives. I think one of the greatest battles in, in history was a battle found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the battle of David and Goliath. It's a, it's, a, it's a major battle in the scripture that is being fought by somebody who seems unbelievably unqualified to fight the fight because he's a lot like me. I feel like I don't have the weapons in my arsenal to always fight the enemy. And so the enemy wins many nights. Like last night, I got up at 1.30 in the morning and I had to go in the kitchen and just sit down. And I said, Lord, what is it you're trying to tell me? I think that God wants to work supernaturally to bring life and healing to people, and the enemy's fighting that. The giant in the story in 1 Samuel 17, sometimes we can't get the correct perceptive. So I got this poll so that you can understand. I'm six foot one, and that's how tall Goliath was, the black mark up there. Now, can you, can you imagine why people would be frightened? For 40 days, for six actual weeks, Goliath was taunting the children of Israel. He was after them and he kept yelling things at them as the devil does. He whispers in our ear, you're worthless, you can't do this, you can never win, you can't stop this behavior, you're never going to win, your marriage is over, and all these other things. But God knows the end of the story, doesn't he? We are more than conquerors. Verse 8, I'm going to start at because the chapter is very long and I don't want to read all the text and I don't have it for the screen, I'm sorry. But Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul, this weakling? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we, all of the Philistines, will become your servants. But if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistines said this, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight together. Fight each other, excuse me. Now oh, we have beautiful mountains. Isn't that nice? They appeared out of nowhere. Some people that visit our church just look at me like, are you 
a loony bird? The answer is no. 